Our scripture is from Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for your word this morning. We need it. We need you. And we're grateful for this little vignette, Lord, of life of how each of us comes to this place in life where we have to make a decision to cry or not to cry. And there you are, Jesus. And so, Lord, whatever we have brought in here today, thank you that it's not unknown to you. The joys and the sorrows, the successes and the failures, the shame and the adulation, we praise your holy name that you're the God who sees it all, but who also rules over all. And your promise has always been the same. In all of it, I will work good for those that I love. And so here we are, Abba. You're a good, good father. We're asking for that goodness to pour out on us today. Come meet us and make us whole. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, let me add my welcome to the one that's already been given to you. My name is Will. I'm the lead pastor here at All Souls. For those of you who are new or newer, and uh, many of you who are not new know that I've been away. Kristen and I took a 10-day journey uh, to walk the Camino de Santiago, um, which you can see in this picture right here. We're at the, the, the end point of that Camino, the final city, which is Santiago de Compostela, which the 000 on the side means we've arrived, right? We made it. This is our team that we were with, our tour guide Nelson and a bunch of folks on the team. Uh, we had an absolutely fantastic time. Um, the, the way we traveled, we, we took a plane into uh, Porto, Portugal, took a bus up to Tui, Spain, and then traveled north up to Santiago, uh, which is about 75 kilometers as the crow flies, but as the Camino winds, it's about 100 miles. And we walked 100 miles in about six days. And so if you see any of this up here because of joint swelling or feet swelling, you know why. Uh, but praise be to God, we made it. Um, this is, uh, Dan came with us. Those of you know Dan D'Amato. Um, 
Dan came with us, and we saw some amazing things. This was our first hotel in Tui, and this guy right here is Pedro. And Pedro was one of the guys on our team, and uh, he was one of the guys that we saw God move in powerfully first. Because, you see, Pedro came with ankles that were already injured, and so he was worried about making the, the 100 miles. And on day two, which we'll talk a little bit about, um, Pedro, uh, we all had to walk about 18 miles in one day in the rain with lots of mountainous terrain, up and down and up and down. And about six hours in, we ran into Pedro, and he was at the end of himself. And his, his ankles were actually turning in as he was walking, and he was hurting. And he said, guys, pray for me, because i got to keep going, but I'm not sure I'm going to make it. And we said, no, you need to stop so that we can actually pray for you. So Dan and I prayed for Pedro and asked for God to heal his ankles. And then we didn't see him again until that evening. And that, that evening at dinner, Pedro wept as he told the story of God healing his ankles in that moment and never again feeling pain for the rest of that journey. Yeah. And so we saw God move with power, but we were asked this question from the beginning. What do you want? What do you want God to do for you? What do you want Jesus to do for you on the Camino? Why are you here, in other words? Why has he brought you here? And in case you didn't hear the echo in the passage that Kristen read for us this morning, it's the same question that Jesus is asking Bartimaeus. What do you want? And it might seem obvious, and, and for us, it might have felt obvious to us. Uh, you know, when we ask that question, I'm like, well, I'm not quite sure what I want. I, I think I want some, some healing of some, some grieving. I want some deepening intimacy. I'm, I'm not quite sure. Even though there were some obvious things going on in my heart and in my life, I wasn't exactly sure. And for most of us in our lives, I think that's how we live our lives. We can see some things that look a little hazy. Maybe I want this. Maybe I want that. But I'm not quite sure. And the Camino, which is called the way, that's the translation, the way. The Camino has a way of wearing you down. So that you get to a place where it's crystal clear exactly what you want and need. And there's only just a question is, are you willing to actually engage when you get there? As we were asked this question, we were also then encouraged to find a rock um, to, that we would carry with us for the rest of our journey. Find a rock and then write on that rock the thing that you're carrying, the thing, the, the thing you feel like God has you here to kind of deal with. And, and I thought, well, what am I here to deal with? And, and are, am I going to be asked to put this rock down? And what is that supposed to look like? And, but right away, I, I knew what I was carrying. And I don't know if you can read it. But it says George. And so I wrote George's name down on my rock. And I carried him with me every day of that journey. And God did something that I want to share with you today. Because I, I know it's not just for me. And I know it's not just for our grieving of George. But it's absolutely for me. And it's absolutely for our grieving of George. For those of you who are new, George is one of our elders who we tragically lost lost just a couple months ago to lung disease that came out of nowhere and robbed us of one of the most beautiful, special people God ever created on this planet. And we're still hurting over that. 
But many of you bring your own hurts to this place online or, or live. You bring your own stuff here today. Even in addition to that, what are you carrying? What do you want Jesus to do for you? Are you willing to admit it on the front end? Are you willing to ask? Even if you're not quite sure. This morning we're going to take a little bit of a break from our study through the book of Acts because it's Father's Day. And this was a sermon that George was supposed to be preaching. I just got back Friday night at 11 o'clock at night. I'm loopy. I knew I would be loopy. And so I asked months ago, I said, it would be great if we could have our elder elder preach on Father's Day. And George was like, of course, I'm ready. I'm ready to do this. He was right on, eager. Even his first little stint in the hospital, I would go visit him. He had all these papers full of notes, none of which you could read, but he could read. <laughs> he was ready. I'm like, George, you only have 40 minutes. Like, we can't go three hours. He's like, don't worry, don't worry. I got this. I can't wait. He was so excited. And I was so excited. But here we are. What do you want Jesus to do for you? Two points that might sound a little dark, but they're not. Stay with me. Are you willing to feel the pain, and will you lay it down? So first, feeling the pain. I want you to realize that Bartimaeus, as we read it in English, it's obviously it's a Greek term, but you've heard of bar mitzvah. Bar means son. Mitzvah means commandment. So bar Timaeus means son of Timaeus. That's what it literally means. And oftentimes you were called by your father's name just with bar in front of it. So bar Timaeus means son of the highly prized one. God doesn't do anything by mistake. When, when you see a beggar on the side of the road who's living in this weird juxtaposition of shame and needing people to see him. So shame drives you to hide. I don't want anyone to see me. But in the first century culture, if no one sees you, you don't eat because there is no welfare. You're completely reliant upon the generosity of those who walk by. And so while you need people to see you, you don't want anyone to see you because as they taught you, you must have done something wrong or you must have inherited something wrong in order for the gods to curse you with such blindness. That was the worldview in which they lived. And so he's in this weird place of shame and need at the same time, and yet his name literally means son of highly prized. God's about to do something. We read the whole story, so we are tempted to skip to the end, but please don't. Please allow yourself to enter into this story and to feel the struggle of the choice that is in front of this man. As he hears that Jesus and a great crowd is coming by, he has a choice to make. Because Jesus is coming, he knows he's heard from others that Jesus is a healer. But he's also full of shame, and all of the voices in his life at that very moment are telling him what? Be quiet. Give in to shame. Don't distract him. You're not worth his attention, his time. Don't get in the way of what Jesus is doing. We know what that feels like, don't we? 
that lie that says Jesus is here really for everyone else, but not necessarily for you, and not necessarily in this way. So don't distract him with this stuff. Just do the right thing and be quiet. He has a choice to make. He's either going to listen to them and protect himself by being quiet, or he is going with his whole heart to yell. The word they use actually is cry and keep crying and enter in in front of everyone and communicate in word and deed. I know how broken I am. I'm not going to hide it anymore. What I need is you, Jesus. What I need is you. For us, friends, we oftentimes find ourselves in the very same position. In fact, some of us are in it right now. You've carried things in here today that you think nobody knows about and you don't want anybody to know about, and so you're tempted to just hide them. Or you're carrying things that everybody knows about, and that fact in itself is tempting you to hide and to not enter in and to not make a big fuss because you don't want to be a distraction. You don't want any attention. And so you're tempted at every point to quiet your cry. And I want you to hear the voice of your Jesus calling to you this morning and inviting you to enter in fully and wholly into that ache. Cry, friends. Cry out for him. Communicate what your heart is already telling you. Don't listen to the voice of condemnation or shame. Don't listen to it. That's not him. That may not even be your own heart. That might be the enemy of your soul, but whatever it is, it's not him. He wants you to write a different narrative. And it starts off by crying. Why so often do we stay stuck? Why so often do we not cry? I just mentioned a few things, but I want to share some lessons that we learned along the way, along the Camino. First lesson, resist the offense of unmet expectations. This is Dan's favorite picture from the Camino. Because in Dan's words, this is what I do 90% of the time at work. Right? Like, ah, gosh. Like, why are we doing this again? Frustration, frustration, frustration. Well, we were told when we were getting on the Camino that we weren't going to do the Camino the way that most pilgrims do. A lot of pilgrims get on there and they just go from hostel to hostel. They don't know where they're going. And so there's a different level of dependence. We knew we were going to have hotels and we were told there were going to be three and four star hotels. So we thought, wow, we're going to have an awesome time resting whenever we get there. So the walk will be terrible probably, but got to work. And then we'll have these little pieces of paradise along the way. Well, Something got lost in translation. <laughs> and what we ended up doing was staying in one and two star hotels the entire way. Lots of mold and mildew and sticky floors. When you get in the hotel room and the floors are sticky, not so good. <laughs> and I'm not quite sure what's going on, but it seems like all of those hotels buy their same slimy ham from the same slimy ham place. Right? So we had breakfast included, which was often slimy ham and lots and lots of bread. I don't eat a whole lot of bread, but I ate a lot of bread. 
And let's just say I'm so glad for deep greens here in America. But so we had all these expectations of what we were going to encounter and how we were going to have just these little respites, right? And, and they weren't met. And each time they weren't met, the frustration level grew. And the grumbling in my heart grew. And I was tempted to continue to look at the hotels and the food and keep my focus there. When, please don't miss this, the unmet expectations were on purpose because God wanted to do something in me that if I only ever looked at the hotels and the expectations, I would miss what they were bringing up in me. Did you follow? And so to the degree that I was going to be stuck there, I was going to miss what God was actually doing through those unmet expectations. We get stuck because we stare at the means rather than allowing the means to bring us to God's end. Second, address little frictions or they will grow. This is Kristen. Can you hear her laughing? Yeah. So Kristen didn't bring the best socks. She thought she brought the best socks, but they were slightly too small. So on day one, they started to fall down after the first 10 miles, right? And then they start rubbing against her, her ankles. And she thought, oh, I'm just going to get there. I'm just going to get there. I'm just going to get there. Little frictions start to cause big blisters. And so day two, she says, well, I'm not going to wear the same shoes because they'll rub the same place. So I'm going to wear my other shoes, which aren't waterproof. And on day two, it downpoured on us. So her feet were completely drenched. So now instead of just having blisters on her ankles, she now has blisters underneath her feet as well. Which is, for those of you who've never walked 100 miles in six days, not a great thing, right? You don't want blisters underneath your feet. And yet... Here you have Amy, who was wonderful, by the way, one of our team members, who happened to bring a first aid kit, taking care of all the blistered feet on our team. How sweet, right? How beautiful. And yet, here's the lesson. Oftentimes in our lives, we have these little frictions that we so distract ourselves from looking at that we don't deal with, thinking that somehow they're going to go away when they never do. All they do is get bigger. So if you don't deal with the little frictions, they will deal with you. Third, interruptions are on purpose, so slow down. On that second day when it was raining really hard and we're going up and down and up and down, and when I say up and down, up and down, I mean it was crazy, the amount of just, uh, what's the word, vertical, uh, ver incline, thank you, the amount of inclines that we were engaged with that day. I was in the middle of complaining to uh, Dan and Kristen when I was rudely interrupted by this lady right here, Kathy, who happened to be, she was at that moment by herself because her husband, Matt, and her daughter, Julie, Julie thank you, uh, were ahead of us. And so we're walking and I'm complaining. I'm just being honest. I'm complaining to Dan and Kristen because we're talking about why we're on the Camino. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to be here right now. I don't like this. I'm wet. I had no idea it was going to be this long. The hotels stink. I don't know why I'm here. I'm never coming again. That's what I know. That's what I'll tell you. I'm not ever doing this again. And she has the audacious 
words don't come to me anymore. She has the audacity to be like, oh, hi. Um, so why do you think God it does have you on the Camino? I'm like, oh, hi. I'm so glad you're interrupting me, right? Like, but all of a sudden, we have this connection with her and then with her family, and they're at literally almost every hotel we're staying at from that point forward. And we start connecting with them. And Dan met up with them on a different day and walked the whole day with them. And, and we met up with them here. And, and it, we met up with them in Santiago. We've exchanged contact information. You'll most likely see them here one day worshiping with us because we're just going to visit one another's families. And they're like, we want to meet your kids. And all this, you know, like you have all these connections that if we didn't slow down, if I wasn't interrupted in my rant, I would have missed out on some of the blessing that God had for us along the way. I think one of the things that the Camino is actually most famous for is the call to slow down. You must slow down. Several of the days early on, we would, we, as a group, we didn't stay together. We would get, you know, we would go and we'd pair off. And the first day and then the third day, I, I, didn't, I didn't see Kristen because I got into conversation with someone who was walking and we kept walking. We kept walking faster and faster. We ended up doing like four miles an hour. We were the first people to the destination. We we're like, yeah, New Yorkers. <laughs> right? Like, and then we'd take pictures and send them to everybody and be like, we beat you. <laughs> right? Like, and it was awesome. Sort of. Right? until God started interrupting our experience and reminding us that we're not there to get there first, just to get done. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey, right? Which is sort of, sort of true. It, at the end of the day, friends, the Lord is our destination, and he comes along with us on the journey, so let's not miss that, right? But as Americans, as Westerners, we so often want to get there, get there, get there, get there, and we miss what God's doing along the way. And I'm so glad we didn't miss this family because they're wonderful. We were blessed by them. We get stuck, friends, because we don't learn the lessons that life is calling us to learn, and we're not willing to feel the pain. On the second to last day of our Camino walk, we got to the hotel. And we're trying to debrief, and I had prayed that morning. I'm like, Lord, I, I need you to meet me. I don't feel like I'm hearing from you. I don't know why I'm here. I'm carrying around this dumb rock. I'm frustrated. I'm tired. I don't know what you want me to do. And Allie sends us a message. She goes, look what picture just popped up on my time hop. And I bawled my eyes out. And then I went from crying to anger. And I yelled and punched my bed. And I was like, I am so angry right now. And I thought I had dealt with it because God had already done some stuff in me early on when George passed. But there was a deeper layer that he wanted to get out. And I had to be real about what was going on inside of me. I'm so angry about what I lost in my buddy, in my friend, in my dad. But I'm also so angry, and this is what, I, what he showed me. Not just what I lost, but what never was. 
in the promise of the future that we were going to share and the things we were going to do for these guys, it's Ireland, and you guys are going to Ireland, and we praise God for that. You know what it was for me? Part of that? Israel. Another bucket list trip that George wanted to go on that I was working on putting together a trip for our whole church behind the scenes so that George could go to Israel. And now it will never be as it was supposed to be in here. But it wasn't just what was never with George, but God started to show me in my own heart the places where the love of George exposed the places where I was lacking in love from others, that I needed that love or wanted that love and didn't have that love. And all of a sudden, God's like, do you understand where this anger is rooted? Are you willing to feel it? And I wept, and I wept, and I wept. And then he said to me, Will you lay it down? In our story, son of highly prized, Bartimaeus, when he hears that Jesus is calling for him, did you realize what he does? He takes the cloak that he had used his entire adult life during his blindness to cover his shame, the weight of his pain and loss. And he throws it off of himself. And he runs to Jesus and is healed. And then it says this, I love it. Jesus says, now go on your way. Let me use a different word. Now go, Camino. Go. And what does it say that Bartimaeus does? He goes on a spiritual pilgrimage looking for enlightenment. Wrong. It says he then begins to follow Jesus on the way. You remember what Jesus is, one of Jesus' names is? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way, and he came and found son of highly prized and fulfilled the very name he was given. The question for us is, are we willing to lay down the very thing that we thought was our safety, our self-protection, the things that were going to allow us to kind of make it through life, hide, not feel? For me, God said something right away. He said, your rock's too small. You need to find yourself a bigger rock. And so I went out, and I found one. And I carried it the whole day. So now not only were my calves burning, now my forearms were burning as I felt the weight of my anger and the pain and sorrow that was underneath it. He said, find yourself a bigger rock, carry it and bring it to me. So what what does that mean? Bring it to you. Where are you? Where is it? Just trust me. Just go. Just walk. Go on the way. So I did. And when I came to this place, I knew exactly what God was asking me to do. That's me, by the way. There's the rock. This is what caught my attention first. We're at a circle. And the word Gilgal 
in Hebrew literally means circle. God said, you've been living in Gilgal for too long when it comes to your pain, going around in circles, not dealing with what's going on actually underneath it, the loss of not just what was but what could be, what you never had. Are you going to continue to go around in a circle or are you going to yield? Both signs in the exact same place. And I heard God invite me to put down my rock. When I walked over to the yield sign, I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Throw it into the weeds? Like, I don't get it. But there were these markers all along the way that pointed in the direction that God had for us to get to the final destination. And one of them was right there. And I put my rock on top of it. You can see this puny little rock right here. That's... Uh, that person wasn't clearly as angry as I was. I put it down, and I didn't want it to be a big thing. I didn't even know Kristen was taking a picture at that point. But I put it down, and I'm ready to walk away, and I almost collapse. As I feel the love of God just pour over me, and the weight of my sorrow get lifted up. And I hear Jesus say to me, come to me, all of you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Friends, we have a God in Jesus who knows our pain, who understands our burden better than we do, and who welcomes us into a relationship that's all about us handing over to him what we're not supposed to carry. Did you hear what I just said? We have to walk through, but so often we assume we have to carry the deeper stuff because we don't actually look at the deeper stuff. When this process of grief is a process of churning, of constantly going deeper, and with each churn, being willing to come and lay down the stuff that God wants us to put at his feet. Will you? Because later that day, that same day, where I came to, this is the cathedral, the Compostela. This is the end of the road. This is where they do the pilgrim's mass. This is where you arrive. This is the place where uh, church history says the bones of St. James, James the, the, the older, big James, if you watch the, uh, the Chosen series, right? The Sons of Thunder, where his bones are buried and underneath the altar there. And as I got there and as we got there, we heard God say to us in no uncertain ways, well done, I'm with you. I'm with you. And he said, now realize what I've done. If George was still walking this planet, he would not be walking the Camino with you. Am I right? No, he would not. And yet, you got the privilege of taking him with you every step of the way. Every step of the way. every step of the way. 
didn't go to Spain to put George down. I went to Spain so that the Lord could take away my anger and heal some of the pain underneath so that the way forward could be much more full of life and wholeness and healing. What burden, friends, is Jesus inviting you to give to him today? Some of you know my struggle because you've lived it yourself. You've lost someone very dear to you. And perhaps you have done what we're all tempted to do, and that's just push it down. Don't look at it. Every once in a while, glance, but it hurts too much, and so look away. And I want to tell you, you're missing it. If that's what you're doing, you're missing what God wants to do through this pain. The only way is through. But the only way through is together. The only way is through. But the only way through is together. We are on this journey together. That's one of the lessons of the Camino. You don't make it on your own. You have to rely on one another. You have to let your guard down. You have to encourage and support and stop what you're doing to care for the one who's in need. This picture right here was from what's called the end of the earth, Finisterra. It's where the the Roman culture at that time thought the world ended, literally, until Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492. This was the end of the world for those people. And this is the literal end of the Camino. You go to the cathedral, and then there's a, 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 another jaunt to the end there. So we took a bus to that portion. Thank speed to God. <laughs> and we sat there for an hour and just processed what God was doing in our lives. Processed the lessons that he had taught us. Processed the pain that we had had to enter into process the frictions that he had allowed to come up, process the the disappointments and discourages because of unmet expectations, process all of that and just allow God to speak in the beauty of his creation. And God met us there, friends, and ministered to us. And I want to say to you this morning, while it's beautiful to go into a setting like this, you don't need a setting like this. You just need some alone time with the Lord where you're honest about what's going on down here and you let him lead you each step of the way of your healing. When he tells you to lay it down, you choose to. And then you let his love heal you. I told you at the beginning of this that George was supposed to preach today. When I got home Friday night, after being up for 24 hours, our flight was canceled, and then we got on a later flight six hours later. So we spent the entire day in the airport, thoroughly exhausted, got up yesterday morning and said, okay, Lord, what do you want me to say tomorrow? George was supposed to preach. He said, well, then let him. And he brought to mind a video that George and I had made during COVID to talk about Ash Wednesday. And I want you to hear him now preach the gospel that he had intended to preach today.
and now is. see the hug at the end? Did you hear his heart for Jesus? Happy Father's Day. We are blessed, friends. We are blessed because everything that we love about George is just a small window into the love of our Father in heaven, who, as George said so well, spared no expense to come love his kids through his son, Jesus, son of the beloved, son of the most high, son of the most favored. That's Jesus. And because of Jesus, that's us. What's in the way? What does he want you to lay down so you can experience more of this kind of love? Let's learn from our brother, our spiritual father, George, and let's live with that kind of vigor. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus for being the way, for not simply being a God who stands far up above us and who commands that we walk a particular kind of way to get to you, and if we make it somehow, maybe you'll love us. 
but you're a good, good father. Abba, you're a good daddy. And you spared no expense. You came yourself to come show us the way, but then to also empower us to walk the way by being with us always, better than a rock with a name on it. You live inside of us. You speak to us. You love us. And then you give us one another to encourage each other and to walk this path, even for just a season, and with this promise and guarantee that this world is just the title page, that this world from death is just a doorway into a better life. We know that's where George is. We know that's where other fathers that we've lost have have gone and mothers that we've lost are when they're in Christ. We know that. And you're teaching us in this season, Lord God, to live as though there is a great cloud of witnesses, as you've said, that somehow doesn't leave us walks with us, even interacts with us, and reminds us of just how alive they are and you are. Thank you that you are with us and for us, Lord Jesus. And because that's true, thank you that George is with us and for us, Lord Jesus. We praise your holy name. We glorify you today. And on the day when we gather to celebrate fathers, we celebrate you, Abba. There is no one like you. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness, it spreads out across the seas. We see it everywhere. And we thank you that, Lord, in our times of trouble, you don't lose patience with us. You don't just push us through. You lead us, guide us, empower us, and love us every step of this Camino that we call life. So we praise you today. Even as we ask for more healing, show us the places, Lord, where we are carrying around things we don't even see like I was. And give us the courage to lay them down as you show us. That we might know this incredible truth that as we come to you, your yoke is easy, your burden is light, and you've got rest for our souls. We say yes, Lord. We say yes. I ask that even right now, Lord, as we get ready to sing, that you'd prepare our hearts to hear your voice. Speak to us, Lord, exactly what we need to hear. Speak. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray.